0: Storytelling saves the world. Storytelling saves the world. With Jessica and Jordan and all their friends, you never know how.
1: Welcome to the second episode of Digital Storytelling Saves the World, a podcast where you can find out more about integrating student movie making into your classroom. I'm one of your hosts, Jessica Pack, and I've taught sixth grade language arts and social studies for 15 years. I'm also the ASB advisor at my school and a California Teacher of the Year, and I'm so happy to be here with my fabulous co-host, Georgia. Hi, Georgia.
0: Hi, Georgia. Hi, Jessica. I'm Georgia Terlahi. I've been a classroom teacher for 31 years, and I'm currently an instructional coach. For this episode, we want to discuss how to start the year strong with digital storytelling. Our guest today is one of our good friends, Julie Barda. Julie, would you introduce yourself?
2: Hi, I'm Julie Barda, and I've been teaching for about 20 years, and I've started integrating digital storytelling in my classroom about 10 years ago. I also teach video production um, as an elective class in middle school. I
1: love that you have like this wide range of what you're going to be able to talk about today where we're talking about digital storytelling in a core content area but also in that media specialist type of role where I know that some listeners are going to be wanting all of those great ideas that they could put in their classroom for media specialists but also then the core content teachers and you hit all of that so we're really excited to have you so Julie
2: how are you connected to Digicom so I was so lucky about ten years ago to see a flyer to go to PD on a Saturday with Jessica Pack here and that was sort of the the first years of Digicom and I didn't really know what I was getting into and then uh, from there I just continued to take little nuggets of information on Saturday trainings and I would try that in my classroom Uh, and then I slowly started having Digicom personnel come to my classroom to help me and I started going to the week-long trainings, and then slowly I became a trainer of other teachers. And um, I'm so lucky now two times a year to be able to train other teachers and, in how to integrate into their classroom.
0: Julie, we um, want to talk today about how do you start the school year strong with digital storytelling? So maybe we can start with your right, your core classes first. So how do you start the school year with digital storytelling?
2: So I actually start um, a little bit slower and I focus specifically on an audio piece first. So last year I did a, um, like like what we're doing right now, I had the kids do a podcast. Um, they just put one uh, image in and that image stretched the whole way. And we focused on how to use um, their voices to tell the story, how to use the equipment within, we, we use WeVideo to edit. Um, but how to use that yeah. editing equipment specifically for audio. This year I started with a book commercial where they just put the title of their book in um, as the image, and then they did their their voices, told the story of the book that they had just finished, and then they made that an advertisement for their classroom. So I think it's important to start slower, but with something really high interest, like a, a podcast or a commercial or something, not just having them record like so, something that would sound like an explanatory essay.
1: I really love that because sometimes it's really overwhelming to look at an entire digital story and be like, how do I start to break this down so that the skills build in a way that makes sense? And Mm -hmm. and like, what do we do? Do we go like full on the first week and like try to learn all the film angles and everything? But I love your approach because it's super manageable and audio is such an important piece for for quality storytelling.
2: Yeah, and I think that's really important because I think a lot of kids focus on the visual part, but we know that um, half of a video is audio. And so it gives them the opportunity to really notice how their mic is sounding or how they every time they tap the table they hear that or all of those tiny little things that sometimes interfere with the story that they want to tell. And so it gives them the chance to just focus on that voiceover. And I try to keep it short as well. So I would recommend keeping it to a minute so you don't overwhelm them and you don't overwhelm yourself. And they should be able to be, uh, you know, to get their message across in a minute. It teaches them to be concise. How do you choose the content for the podcast? Is that kind of autonomous for
1: them to select what they'd like to talk about? Or is that tied to a specific content area?
2: So it's usually my end of the unit um, piece, whether it's for language arts or for social studies. Um, so that it's tied specifically to that content that we were learning for those four to six weeks. And so they're doing some kind of, for example, a podcast about early humans or a podcast about um, the Roman Empire.
0: That's a great synthesis piece, mm-hmm. though, oh, for to take like that whole unit and be able to create a one-minute podcast when you think of like the higher-level thinking skills that go into something like that. That's why I've always loved digital storytelling, because that's like bang for your buck again my favorite thing
1: well and in terms of like you mentioned being concise that is a challenge to be able to fit everything you know into 60 seconds and like not waste any of that precious time so
2: right and be entertaining at the same time right right so i think that's a really fine line for kids to learn that they're doing this it's not their audience i tell them depending on the piece but the audience should be like for seventh graders if it's a podcast and so you want to make it entertaining and light and fun um but at the same time Integrate that content. And so having them strike that balance is, it's that's a skill as well.
1: Is this an assignment you circle back to for a couple different like instructional reps where they're repeating the process so they just get better over time? And then or? they add on
2: to it. Yeah. So um, like last year I started with um, just the podcast, we recorded it and we video. And then the next one we went to was a vlog. And so it's the same idea, but now we can see the kids' faces. We can add in the images. So they're, they're producing for the same type of audience. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, but you're just adding to their skill set a But you're adding bit. to the digital skill set, the, those technical skills. Um, obviously, I still have them write, you know, explanatory essays and persuasive essays. And then from that, jump off and do something fun with it. Well, oh, and
1: that's like common core writing, right? Write mm-hmm. for a specific task, audience, purpose. Correct. That's really cool that you're differentiating who they're talking to and what the content is that they're sharing.
2: Yeah, and I think that's really um, important for them to realize because if we don't specifically teach that, then they they will not change their uh, style. Right. So I think it's really important that they get the opportunity to be both serious as well as light. Not to mention, if I'm an
1: English learner, I'm going to be way more engaged in practicing language for that type of assignment than having some of those super non-organic like sentence a frames. A sentence frames, that yes. <laughs> <laughs> like every EL training ever, give them sentence frames. And like that can help, but it's really cool
2: if they're invested and they want to talk. Yeah, actually that's a really good point because last year when I did the, um, the first one, the podcast, it was about uh, speaking to um, – the Roman emperor, about how he should be able to save his empire. And um, so trying to avoid some of those pitfalls that they had. And, of course, you do still have to give the students sentence frames. You do still have to give them structure. You can't just say, make a one-minute podcast. You know, you still have to give them that um the opportunity to have that scaffolding um, for those who need it and last year I had a really strategic class and those students did need a lot of scaffolding so we I gave them sort of sentence frames for the intro to a podcast and the outro and then how to segue between their segments which is also like transitional language and but like you said it's so much lighter and more fun for them to do it um, they don't this. even
0: realize that all the things they're learning
2: and doing that correct and so if you can move from like podcast to vlog that's a really nice segue to, to add on the skills.
1: So it really sounds like what you're doing is making digital storytelling part of the fabric of what's happening in the classroom so that it's just another skill set that they're developing right alongside content skills and all those other digital technical skills, just how to use the software, and then you have that layer of soft skills with the collaboration and the communication, so mm-hmm. that, that really sounds pretty awesome.
2: Yeah, time management is a huge piece of all of that as well. So, um, yeah, it's definitely not something I do separate. It just goes along with how how my year goes and how we continue to integrate twenty um, first century skills into what we're doing.
0: That's and cool. hopefully, the students like organically start to see, like, even time management. You know, it the first time I can see where, like, you know, you're taking all this time and maybe you don't get something done. But hopefully, as they keep getting their reps in, they're like you know, oh, you know, we have all this to do. We need to use our time. And what great skills for, you know, getting out in the real world and working is that... You can do all these creative things but you have to be focused on how you're getting it done
2: right and i think it's important um if um, as the teacher to teach explicitly teach them different ways and as you do this more you learn different ways right right so teach the students different ways to break down a project to conquer and divide to, to break up the task so that everybody's busy everybody has something to do and they can meet the deadline without just being one person doing all the work and digital storytelling has so many ways to break it down Um, Depending on what software you're using, but everybody can be busy and contributing to that final product. So
1: So what's the end game for by the end of the year with these types of projects? Like what is what is kind of like the culmination or how do you parlay all the the blogging and um, the podcasting into that longer? More complex piece
2: last year. I did start with the um, yeah the podcast and then we did a vlog And we also did like a close read poem, and um, it was if I were in charge of the world. So then that, again, is a different type of skill because you're using images from online to, you know, back up what you're saying in your poetry, but it also has to be beautiful and have a message at the end. So I think if I were to say what my end game is, is for them to finally make more um, genuine pieces that they have a lot more connection to so that they can bring their own stories to life.
1: That is so fantastic. I love the idea that everything circles back to the human element, which we were talking about last week, and just this idea that everybody has a story to share, especially students, because we're so quick to want to just kind of, like, write off their experiences or at least sideline them while we're trying to do all this really important stuff that's going to feed into, like, you know, a test or something. Um, so it's, it's really cool that you can come back to who they are as people and help
2: them have opportunities to apply all these skills in a more meaningful way. Yeah, I think it's really important. I just went to the um, Equity and Education Conference that we had here in um, the Valley, and that was the actual whole theme of the conference was amplifying student voices. And it really, like, hit home to me. I'm like, yay, I'm already doing that. we're (laughs) (laughs) doing. That's what we try to do and to give them the opportunity to, like, you know, authentically amplify their story, which can be really hard because a lot of these kids have some – Trauma, and they have stories that are uncomfortable to share, and so that's also a fine line to find out like where you want to push them to share, and knowing Mm -hmm. that it's going to be public, and and how they can share it maybe in the most comfortable way that they can share it, and how much they want to share.
1: Julie, you don't just teach core. You mentioned that you are also a media teacher. So how does what you do during your media
2: classes, how does that look as compared to what's happening in core content? So for my media classes, I do. More with actual filming. So we do a bit more with uh, camera angles and um, using uh, a, a lot more equipment that I might not get into with my English and social studies class. But I'm so lucky because I do have some students who are in both. And so then, I mean, that really like empowers these kids to to use uh, a lot of equipment and to bring their stories to life um, but a lot of us might not find that there's enough time in language art social studies to bring in all of that extra filming unless the kids want to do it at home that type of thing so in my actual video production classes we do a variety we do fictional stories we do challenges where they have a certain set of parameters within their stories which I learned from Jessica It's just a great way if you if you're just getting into it to give them some specific parameters of their story so they don't go like with this wild story. Story that's 20 minutes long um, and then I also incorporate um, news broadcast type stories so I try to do fictional non-fictional um, to give them a ri- variety we also do a type of closed poems as well so like right now in my video production class we're doing a where I'm from poem and it's it's specifically talking about who they are as people and what's got what's gotten them here I am from and I mean think of how many ways you can end that that sentence right but with that then you're teaching them that um, visual literacy and how to interpret a picture and so we get a lot more into like the the details of um the finer elements that you might not have um, time in a language arts classroom to do
1: that is super cool i love that where i'm from idea is that something that we have a template maybe we can link in the show notes Actually, I'm
2: just making a template. so awesome. It's actually Ooh. from – I got super inspired from um, one of my uh, former students. Her dad posted her poem on Facebook, and she's a freshman now. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I could use this in my, my digital storytelling class. And so I Googled it, and there is an actual poet who wrote this beautiful poem. I can't remember the, her name off the top of my head, and it's I Am From – and, um, and you basically start each line like that. So I tried to incorporate that over the last two weeks with the Hispanic Heritage Month and encourage the students to really focus on where they are from as um if they're Hispanic, and if they're not Hispanic, just where their families are from. And I have to be honest, it didn't go that way as much. A few kids kind of tapped into that, and the rest of them, they're just, you know, they're kids. They're 12, they're 13. It's, like, so not important to so many of them yet. Like, so they have so many other things to say, like, where they're from. And that piece wasn't as important, but they were able to sprinkle a little bit in, t- in there, and I like that. Some of them did it in Spanish, which I thought was super cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah,
0: so it was really nice.
2: That is so so we look
0: forward to uh, seeing that, and we'll attach it. Yeah, and we can attach show. it in
2: the notes. Yeah, I'm just in the middle of that project now, so I don't actually have a template, but I will get one. But
0: it will be there. It will be.
2: <laughs> it will be a lesson in the Digicom portal. <laughs> you are fantastic. For listeners, if you haven't checked the portal
1: lately, if you are a Digicom Learning registered teacher, make sure that you go back in there and see all of the great new lessons that have been posted, and keep your eye out for the rest of the year. Um, All the teacher consultants are working really hard to recruit some fantastic teachers who have these great lessons to share and it's a really good jumping off point. So with that, um, how about a little game, Julie? Are sure. you game? Are you for ready? Are you game sure. for a game? I am game for a game. <laughs> All right. So um, we would really like to play five in sixty with you. Okay. Last week we tried to do ten in twenty, and it was ridiculous. Uh, we tried to answer ten questions, semi funny, semi serious, semi crazy. And um, it definitely
0: wasn't 60 seconds. It went way long. So it our, was like 60 minutes. Yeah. So our, our goal today is to see how many we can get through. So we're going to try to um, – I know it's a Friday. Okay. And I know we're all tired, gonna but I think that we ring. can do it. All right.
1: I, I think we can too. So. All right.
0: So are we ready? I'm going to hit the button. So and I just answer your questions. Yes. But okay. you only
1: have 60 seconds. But you, you make sure Julie can see the timer. How about that? Okay. I can see it. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. So
0: not 60 seconds per question – 60 seconds for all ten questions. Got oh, it. Oh, but we
1: only have five okay. questions. Remember, it's
0: five and 60. Oh, it's five and 60. Okay.
1: We hardly know what we're doing. We're <laughs> having very good it's, time. I,
2: I don't even know is, why they
0: let us do this. Well, this <laughs> is what we do as teachers all the time. All the time. Right? On the fly. Hey, we tried right. it this
2: way. It didn't work. Let's let's pare it down a little. Let's not throw out so, the game. Let's so just So basically, it.
0: just off the top of your head. Okay. Okay. First I'll, thing I'll, that comes to mind. I'll try. Okay. Are we ready? Yes. Here, here we go. Timer is started. Julie, what kind of drink do you order at a bar after a storytelling project has gone wrong?
2: Ooh, that's
0: easy. Vodka martini to olives. Very classy. <laughs> I like it. Uh Julie, Coke or
1: Pepsi and iMovie or WeVideo. Video. Ooh, definitely Coke and definitely WeVideo. Video.
0: Next one. What is the craziest production request a student has ever made? Ooh, that's a hard one. Meaning, like, what would you mean by production request? Well, last week, um, Jessica shared, they were, um, some of her kids asked for blood for, a, like, a zombie movie. Oh, <laughs>
2: gosh. Film noir, but yeah. Film, film noir, noir. Sorry. Film okay. noir. Maybe somebody asked me if they could bring in their chicken one time.
0: Oh. I love it. <laughs> Guess with your duck.
2: <laughs> what is your
1: classroom mantra when it's crazy and looks like a hot mess?
0: Just keep going. <laughs> and our last one, we're gonna make it. What do you say the most often during the storytelling process? Revise, edit, and keep moving.
2: Oh, I oh, did God. it! You did it!
0: Sixty seconds. Barely. Yes. Oh my goodness.
1: So we have another game because we love games. Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Georgia is obsessed with Storymatic. Which I am. For I listeners, I if you is. have not seen Storymatic, hop on your Amazon, will you, and put it in your cart because you and your students need this game, or possibly your family over like
0: holiday dinners. I oh, you know.
1: add alcohol, twice the fun. Yes, I love <laughs> it. I love it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, so let's tell us how it works. All right. So here's what's going to happen is first of all, before I show you the cards. Um, we're all gonna pick one of these cards and they either say beginning, middle, or end. So Julie, you have the honors of picking the first card. So okay. just, I'll go. And ahead. for
1: listeners, Georgia just did like a three-card Monty on the table. Like I feel like you have this other life we just don't know. Oh, that I did three card enough.
0: Monty on the weekend. Yeah, yes. I go to Times Square and mm-hmm. I just <laughs> I Beginning. <yeah>. All right. <gasps> I have the beginning.
1: Georgia has beginning, Julie has the middle, and I've got the end. <clears throat>
0: so what are our cards today, Georgia? So our cards today, before I start the timer, are a person who steals cats and magic gloves.
1: Oh my. There are so many wrong directions that this could go. I know. I'm I'm very excited. excited. I'm excited to
0: see what happens. All right. Take it away. Janine came home, sat down, looked at her phone, and couldn't believe the text messages she was receiving. Her whole entire neighborhood was accusing her of a crime that was unimaginable yet here she was having to explain the reason why all the cats in the neighborhood were missing.
2: She didn't want to admit it at first, but it was her. She loved cats. She loved them so much that she would bring them home. The problem was, is that she was allergic to them. So she would have to put on her magic gloves to pet them and to interact with them. And then she had to give them back because she couldn't keep the cats in her apartment because she was allergic. And
1: since she was so allergic and had these magic gloves, she realized that her love of animals was not, in fact, limited just to cats, but that she also loved dogs. <gasps>
0: Part two. Dun, dun, dun. 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 <laughs>
1: better than last time for sure we I felt we were a little more focused
0: I think so I think so good
1: job us
0: it is hard to like create something on the fly like that you really have to dig to make it all work together and kind of a fun activity even if you have your kids do that just for practicing you know kind of spitballing on the fly yeah thinking on the spot and also really listening
2: to what the other people are saying because you do have to make that visual in your head to follow along make sure your part connects and it's definitely challenging and fun and it only takes one minute one minute of fun in a class like
1: i'm gonna come back to the organic component again
2: because i feel like
1: so much of what we do with kids is so structured that it's nice (laughs) to have a little unstructured beat once in a while too absolutely so wow fantastic Thank you so much for joining us today, Julie, and thanks, listeners, for joining us for Digital Storytelling Saves the World, which has been brought to you by Digicom Learning. On our next episode, we'll be discussing why storytelling is so important and how the craft of storytelling has evolved over time. We're really lucky because we've got a great guest for next time, Alex Cruz, who's an instructional specialist on staff at Digicom.
0: We're hoping it's tough for you to wait for the next episode, but in the meantime, you can follow Digicom Learning on Facebook or Instagram or visit their website at digicomlearning.org. Check out our show notes on storytellingsavestheworld.com for direct links and resources from the show. So until next time, what's your story?